Welcome to Story and Rain Talks, the Story and Rain magazine podcast. I'm Tamara Rappa, founder, editor-in-chief, and your host. Join me here as we dive deep and go behind the scenes with creatives from all fields, exploring the origins for game-changing ideas and careers, and so much more. It's our expert curation of conversations with those who are pushing culture forward, and we're inviting you to get inside the story. You will love this conversation about the latest and the best of the beauty industry with my next guests. Ahead, I talk to Violet Gray's founder, Cassandra Gray, and Sarah Brown, executive director of Violet Lab at Violet Gray, formerly of Vogue. This is a unique chat and a special treat getting to talk to the esteemed experts together. VioletGray.com, of course, is a content and commerce destination. We know a little something about that for all things beauty that so many of us love known for its supremely vetted, highest quality product that Violet Gray helps to make most coveted. Go behind the scenes with us here as you get an intimate peek at how Cassandra and Sarah collaborate and complement one another. We discuss the before and after of acquisition by Farfetch in 2022. You'll learn all about exactly what Violet Lab and the Violet Code is, how it works, what makes for a great committee member, and how and why it was established. From Cassandra and Sarah, you'll hear about their deeply cared-for customer, the Hollywood influence on Violet Gray content, and how celebrity beauty has evolved over the years. Cassandra tells her story of starting up, and Sarah shares what she gets to experience at Violet Gray that she hadn't experienced previously in her career. Cassandra and Sarah share how they know when a new-to-market brand is doing something special, and we do an extremely deep dive into all the products, tools, and the artists and entrepreneurs behind them that are making the biggest impressions on each of them, including what's in their own current personal beauty and wellness routines today. Get a glimpse ahead at the future of beauty with some interesting insight into what's set to start taking off and trending. Our conversations with creatives continue as Story and Rain talks to Cassandra Gray and Sarah Brown of Violet Gray. Hey, Cassandra. Hello. How are you? How are you? I'm good. Your background is pretty great. Is that a real background? Thank you. Yeah, that's a real background. AI. No, it's actually a real background, but it's kind of a funny thing. This is an Elizabeth Payton painting, Uh but it's actually a Target collab towel. Target collab towel. Like they use the graphic on a towel. Yeah, there was an artist collab (laughs) with Target Uh for these huge towels and it's stretched around a frame. Uh, Well, it looks great. It's fun, right? Yeah. I have something. Virgil Abloh did a collaboration with with Ikea. Remember that? Oh, I almost bought the clock. Oh, here's Sarah. Because I don't know how to flip it around. But no, it's a rug. Oh, see? Kind of like a towel, but totally. it's a rug. And it says gray, which is my last name. So it's funny. It's amazing. But it's great. I lived on a loft on Lafayette and Great Jones. Uh-huh. And this towel was on a wall. And I can't tell you how many people were like, oh my God, where is this from? Yeah. It's, you know, it's a $19 Target collab towel. Yeah. But <laughs> but it was like the biggest conversation piece. Everybody always asked me about it. So it's funny. Let's get started. I'm going to preface the podcast by saying I'm here with Cassandra and Sarah of Violet Gray. Violet Gray, of course, is a content and commerce destination for beauty consumers through a global community of content creation, product curation, and Hollywood beauty culture. You encompass authority and celebrity 
and an obsession with cutting edge innovation. How would you say at this point, violet gray has evolved most over the years? Is that a question for me first? For anyone who wants to take it, one or both? Like most startups or early stage companies, I think Violet Gray or like Cats has had a lot of lives. So it's evolved and ebbed and flowed. You know, we were acquired last year by Farfetch. Yes. We're going to talk about that. Very exciting. So I would say that that's the latest evolution of Violet Gray is navigating a new kind of global infrastructure and governance and I mean, I think we've always approached Violet Gray from the customer's perspective. We are the customer, so it makes it easier to know what we want. And the mission of Violet Gray has always been the same, which is, you know, we enable customers to feel more confident in their purchase decisions. So with everything we do, we think about the customer and we represent the customer and what they would want. And And uh, of course, the customer has evolved many, many times over the last decade. So we, yeah, if we think about Violet Gray as really at our core, a community of, of customers and collaborators, like brand partners and experts, you know, we have evolved in our preferences and, you know, the makeup artist and the hairstylist and the image makers that we work with to curate and vet every product that we deem worthy of, of our customers' consideration, their work, whether it's on a cover of a magazine or a red carpet or, you know, Instagram post is influencing beauty practices and purchases on a global scale. So I don't know if that answers your question. It does. It does. And we're going to talk a little bit about those preferences and those influencers, those those artists. We share the same core. So Story and Rain was established after I spent years as a fashion editor and a stylist at print magazines. And I wanted a digital magazine whose pages and spreads and stories and articles were instantly shoppable. I wanted to address that pain point. It's the gap that existed. When you read a magazine, you couldn't right away shop for what you were drawn to. It was something I was wishing for since I was a teenager, collecting magazines and tear sheets. What was the catalyst for establishing Violet Gray as a platform that would combine content and commerce? Exactly. My story is your story. I, too, loved magazines and trusted anything editors wrote, particularly editors like, at the time, Sarah Brown, who was the beauty director at Vogue, and tearing out pages or learning about what to buy through that third-party endorsement that I trusted and not only learning about to buy, but also, you know, hearing stories, which I love stories. And then, you know, schlepping to, again, at the time, Barney's, rest in peace. Rest in peace. To buy the products that editors were were endorsing. And yeah, that felt like something that with the invention of the World Wide Web could be made easier for customers. I always quote Natalie Massonet as someone that I greatly admire and copied. I also read in a magazine article in an interview with her, and she was describing what she did at Net-A-Porter as combining two addictive 
activities, perusing a magazine, and shopping. And so that's really what I think was the catalyst to building this platform. You know, can we be the trusted source and have an edit of, you know, just the good stuff? I think something that's important to say also is that at the time when Cassandra was first doing this, she was taking a really different approach. I mean, I was an editor at Vogue at the time. That's how we met. We met through Brooke Wall, who thought we should know each other. Oh. And what was so interesting to me, well, two things. Um, first, really, nobody was doing anything chic in, in the beauty tech arena. Not at all. Cassandra and what she was doing was instantly interesting to me as a Vogue story because we just didn't see, we didn't see women in tech. We didn't see, you know, the internet was sort of like, we didn't know really what to make of the internet. There wasn't a lot of like chic stuff going on in, in beauty, really. Everything was sort of fashion at the time. There, there weren't a lot of beauty choices. And also everything in our world was very much through the lens of fashion very little was through the lens of Hollywood. And when we looked at Hollywood at that time, it was sort of just tabloid culture. Yes. You know, it was yes. the weekly magazines, which we all devoured and we all loved and we still love, but there was nothing that was elevated talking about Hollywood beauty culture, vintage glamour. And about the artistry. Well, the, I mean, sure. Like, I mean, look, we, we felt like we were talking about the artistry at, you know, fashion magazines, but in terms yeah. of that Hollywood beauty culture and that vintage glamour and bringing that, that felt refreshing almost because it was so old, you know, mm. nobody was talking about that. It was just very much sort of like TMZ, you know, paparazzi. So Cassandra really looked at beauty through a different lens that felt very new. Speaking of that intersection of fashion and beauty, I was always a fashion editor who had deep appreciation for and knowledge of beauty. Cassandra, you worked in fashion. When was it that you fell in love with beauty or were you always somebody who was interested in both equally? I worked on a brand called Kiki de Montparnasse. Ah, my friend Alicia Liu was there for a while. It's very fashion, but it was, you know, really glamorizing instruments of pleasure, as we called them. Yes. <laughs> and lingerie. Yes. And lingerie, yeah. I consulted mostly with hospitality clients, restaurants and hotels. I started my career in San Francisco. You know, I called it uh, social marketing. Right. This is before social media. I've always uh, curated or collected people. And it was about introducing a curation of people to new establishments. So that's what I was doing before. I'd had, you know, some experience uh, with with fashion or emerging brands. Beauty, I had no experience with other than I was a beauty fanatic customer and loved it and loved the theater of it and also the power that it had to make me feel more confident in my skin. I'm curious about what's been the biggest learning in the creation of Violet Gray. Has it been the tech? Has it been the customer in producing the content for each of you? I could start if you want. I think uh, the biggest learning for me is, um, you know, I set out on an entrepreneurial pursuit, or I think plight would be a better word to <laughs> use. And, you know, I very much wanted to build a brand, a dream world with an artistic point of view that emotionally connected to people 
and cultivated culture and community. And I was, you know, particularly passionate about artistic direction, creative direction, creating content and storytelling and packaging and fonts and, you know, interior design of the store and all of that. And I think the biggest realization I had is I quickly learned that building a business is is different than building a brand. Yes. Business doesn't need brand. Yes. I, I think if you're a consumer brand, you probably do. <laughs> but brand needs business. I think about it like the mechanics and, and the magic. And what I believe and now know and learn the hard way that building a business is about building a great team of people and managing people, which isn't necessarily creative directing a photo shoot. And Sarah, for you, has there been a biggest learning in terms of all that you work on? I had no experience in the world of e-commerce and, and retail. Um, we we all bristle when we say retail because it violates <laughs> say we're not a retailer, we're curators, you know, which is, right. which is really true. We're we're we feel like we exist in a different space. Um, and we hope we do. I think that we definitely do for the customer. But so everything has been a tremendous learning for me. But the thing that's so interesting is that um, and I didn't realize this until my first day at Violet Gray when we were on a all hands. I was meeting the team and Cassandra asked me to talk about myself and who am I and all that. And I realized while I was just like, you know, blabbing that my job at Vogue is so similar to what I've been asked to do at Violet Gray, which is find the good stuff, as Cassandra likes to say, be the scout who is looking for the news and uncovering it first. And that's what I love. I love finding the chicest thing. I love being at the epicenter of what is happening and cool. I love telling the world about it. And I'm super competitive. So I want it first. I want it exclusively. I'm going to like literally like ram through whatever door I need to, to get it. I'm a journalist. I like telling, I like telling the news. I also like nothing gives me more pleasure than being able to identify a founder or a brand or someone that we would like to give a push to and launch them into the world. That was the thing at Vogue that gave me the most satisfaction knowing that we had the ability to launch a brand because people trusted our taste. We had our own type of legitimacy. This is where Violet Gray and Vogue are so similar that, you know, Violet Gray has the seal of approval and Vogue just has like, you know, Vogue and <laughs> Vogue, you know, so, but basically this trust, this trust in our eye and in like that we would only choose something that was the, the most quality. So that's very similar. Now you asked me, what's my biggest learning? This is how my job at Violet Gray is very different. At Vogue or at L, where I was before Vogue and all of the different you know places I've written for, my job was to find something cool and tell the world about it, right? And it was just like news. I didn't have to worry if that thing was going to sell. That bit, right. So here's the thing. I have to find the cool thing, but I have to worry that someone's going to show up with their money and buy it and then also buy it again. Right, right. Because, keep the customer. Right, right. Because like I have a responsibility to the customer. This thing is good, right? That you spent your money on. At Vogue, it was just like I want to tell you about this cool thing. I don't care if you buy it. Right, right, right. At Vogue, right, I care that you have a good experience with it. But also, like we're we have an open to buy. We have a budget. Like I'm I'm playing with Violet Gray money. It's real money. And so like I need to be making decisions that that benefit our business. That benefit like I need to like. 
it's a responsibility to a brand when you take them on. So it's like, literally like I have to care about, is it cool? Does it check all those boxes? But also is this like a viable business thing? It can't just be cute. And does it have legs? So for me, that has been a super interesting type rope to walk. We talked a little bit about how you were acquired by Farfetch in, I think it was January of 2022. What was the process like in the beginning? And where are you now? It's an exciting time for Violet Gray. Yes. You know, start by success to me now is being able to attract exceptional talent to what I'm doing. And Sarah is an example of that. Like I, I, st- I still get emotional because I can't even believe that I get to work with Sarah Brown. Blushing, blushing. And yeah, I mean, when I was meeting with her and she broke the story about Violet Gray and Vogue and the September issue and gave us like four or five pages. And it was, it's such an incredible seal of approval and really put me and our team and the brand on the map. And, you know, watching her process with how, you know, she's an investigative reporter. She's, she used to be known as like the ice queen or something because she's <laughs> so, you know, serious. She's a very serious person and right. takes what she does very seriously and is the best at what she does. And I thought, oh my God, if I could have her on my team, of course, I could never have poached her from Anna Wintour, nor would she want to leave to join some little startup. But to then come full circle and have her join our team and partner with me in this area of, you know, she's she really holds up the integrity of the edit, which is our core why and soul of our business. I think to answer your question about Farfetch, it's, it's the same kind of thing. It's incredibly flattering to have a you know, global infrastructure, public company. I I admired Jose so much over the years as he was building his business. And it felt something like that. Like, okay, we've got this big companies interested in our company and there's uh, some potential in uh, what, what, what we can bring to that global infrastructure. It's very exciting. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think the process we were not running a process to be acquired. We were fundraising as per usual, never stopped fundraising the entire time. Right. <laughs> and they, you know, came along and showed all this interest. And, you know, at the time it felt like right on time that I lost my husband. And I'm sorry. It's a big deal lifestyle to be a startup entrepreneur. Yes. And I never felt even when losing my husband, I took a month off. Um, when, you know, when I gave birth, I took a couple of weeks off, but I never felt like I could actually step away from the business. And I was, you know, likely burned out. So it was, it was really great timing to let go of the responsibility of investors, employees partnerships, P&L management. I think that entrepreneurs or, or business leaders in general, I think it's like healthy to have a run and then you got to take a break. Yeah, Likely you'll probably have another run. It was right on time. 
for each of you, how do you know when a new to market brand is doing something special? I know a lot of it is intangible, a je ne sais quoi kind of thing. They have a singular thing based on their singular point of view, but is there a framework in spotting the next big thing? Sarah. Yes. And you're right. A lot of it is intangible. A lot of it also has to do with having, you have to have an eye. My mom is in the in the art world and she has this incredible eye. If she tells you something's good, even if you can't see it, buy it, she's right. And it might be good and people might actually appreciate it in 10 years, you know? So it's very much about, there is something instinctual about it for me. I kind of know right away. And it's the kind of thing like, you know, like when you see a movie and maybe it's a great movie or maybe, or even a piece of art, you keep thinking about it. You can't stop thinking about it. Even if you didn't like it, or you're not sure if you liked it still in your mind, you can't stop thinking about it. If I'm really thinking about something, I know that it's really worth our time. Also, there are things where I can't stand the idea of us not having it. Oh, yes. The fragrance yeah. brand we we launched recently called Air, A-E-I-R. And it's just these cool guys. And I just, I couldn't stand the idea of it being somewhere else because I believed so much in what they were doing. And it's a brand that needs some explaining and some education because what they're doing is so, a lot of it's really conceptual. I mean, it's a gorgeous brand. They've like checked every box, but I couldn't bear it being somewhere else. There's also, there's the performance of the product. There's, you know, there's, it's got to deliver. It's got to be, we look for things that do something different, but, or also just better. Like for example, there's a lot of retinol out there, but if, is there a retinol that's doing, that's a better retinol than everything else? Has it been formulated in a way that's going to improve your life? Like we always just talk about sort of elevating the everyday and that is it's packaging. Is this something that improves your you know, like fits in with your decor and makes you feel great when you reach for it? Do you want to reach for it? And then does it, does it improve how you look and feel, you know, all of these? And also does it replace something else you're using? I don't like bringing things on unless I feel like this is better than what I've been using. Why does this earn a place in my regimen? Why would I ask someone to stop using the thing they're using and buy this instead? So I think that, and also like, do we love the founder? Right. You know, do we do we inspect the brand? Are they doing things right in terms of sustainability, in terms of the whole product journey and story? Like, do we are we learning from them? Are they inspiring us with their practices and their values? That's really important to us. And that's important to to the customer. What's the story we're telling? Because we're trying to be storytellers here. Absolutely. You know, all of these things roll up into what makes something sort of irresistible for us and also viable. We're not interested in in me too's, you know, and like we're very lucky that like we have so many brands trying to be at Violet Gray and be part of Violet Gray. And I always think of ourselves as like a nightclub with a velvet rope and it's just really hard to get in and not in a snobby way, but also yes, in a snobby way. It's a small space and only the coolest people are inside and you have to be really cool to get inside. And for a lot of brands that maybe like haven't been able to get in yet, they can come back and try again, try again next week, you know, just show us what you're doing. <laughs> but it is our job because as Cassandra said, like the customer's our boss. Right. Right. And I think it's uh, important to note that when Sarah says cool, cool is, you know, it's good to be cool, but cool to us doesn't necessarily mean what one might think. It means that you as a, as a founder or you know, the head of a brand are the best at what you do or striving to be the best at what you do. 
are incredibly passionate about the product that you have developed. Integrity. The product has to be best in class in every way. And so then it's really easy to get into the club. All you have to do is be kind. You got to be a good person. We don't like to do business with unkind people. And you have to make a best in class product. And we would be honored and delighted to be able to introduce that to our customers. At the footer of the site, there's a sort of like, I don't know, there's a little bit on submission, which obviously shows just how many people are probably trying to get into your sphere. It says something about who you need to be in order to submit and that, or something about payment and taking payment from people. People must be busting down the door. How much time is spent vetting the people that come your way? Whole job. (laughs) Yeah. First of all, anybody can submit. Right. So there's something on the website that is like submissions email and my team manages that email. And then also like Honestly, so many people were coming to the store, like traveling salesman style with their stuff that we had to print a card for the the store team to give people saying like, hello, we are so glad that you love us. We love you too. Here's the submission process. Please get in touch with our Violet Lab curation team. So yeah, everybody wants to be at Violet Gray. We love that. And everybody is, is very welcome to tell us who they are and what they've got. Yes. And I cannot tell you like how luxurious of a problem this is because it took us so long to get the brands to want to do business with us. I understand that. And it was like, you know, the moment when brands were fighting to get onto our platform or, or on our shelves and it switched it was like, wow, because before that, it was lots and lots of decks and presentations and, you know, lots and lots of trips to New York or Paris or wherever the decision makers were, um, really trying to convince them that this was a good place for their brand, you know, oftentimes with just a, a mood board, you know? Right. And as editors, you have a scope of things to research and to explore, which is important. Yeah. I just want to make sure that it's clear that there, there's no payment. It doesn't cost anything. We, we ask to see product samples so that we can vet them internally. And then if it's something that we want to bring on into the assortment, we have a whole Violet Code testing process where we test things with our committee of industry experts. And so the brands furnish those products, um, but there's no, there's no payment or there, it doesn't cost anything. That's right. Who is on your committee and how does one get chosen to serve on it? 200 people are currently on our committee. And the way that you make it onto our committee is very much how you make it into onto our shelves as a brand or a product. You've just got to be among the best at what you do. Um, so it's just all the buzziest people from the worlds of of beauty, wellness, and health. So it's makeup artists, hairstylists, dermatologists, estheticians, brow techs, you know, nail techs, OBGYNs, nutritionists, Pilates masters, chefs, like I mean, it goes on and on and on. Yeah. What's required of them? Can you give a little sort of overview of how they do their work for you? Yeah. I mean, Cassandra, this is her brainchild. I don't know if you want to talk about how you dreamt up the committee. I can talk about it, but that was one of my questions for you as well. How did you dream this up and what's required of, of this really important committee? It's a cornerstone of Violet Gray. Yes. How it was uh, dreamt up is I had this business plan, content and commerce. 
copying Natalie at Net-A-Porte. And I didn't yet have like a strong sense of the artistic point of view. And I knew that it would, I knew that it needed to be a trusted source because that's what was missing in the market for customers. But I had no idea how I was going to be the trusted source because I didn't personally understand what was good versus what was not. And it was so saturated, the market. So when I landed in LA and Hollywood for my late husband, I was exposed to the industry in a way that I had not understood before and realized very quickly that Hollywood was the most influential beauty culture in the world and that the image makers were very serious people and the stakes were very high. And because they're often representing multi-billion dollar franchises. And so I thought, wow, wow. First of all, these, these people are, I don't know if you can swear, but cool, fucking cool. That's right. And the, and these are my people. I love these people, artists. Yeah. And they, I believe, are the best beauty editors of all time. And to me at the time, it was just the beginning of social media. So they weren't famous like they are now. But I thought they are going to be famous because there's like the, they're like the new chefs. Yes. So, celeb, you know, celeb chefs weren't celebrities and they became celeb- like they, these people have authority and are influencing, like I said before, purchases and practices around the world with a red carpet image or a cover of a magazine. And, you know, where I sort of got the idea of a seal of approval and a violet code is like, okay, if we're going to be the trusted source, there has to be some kind of criteria. Right. And then, and then kind of connecting the dot of who knows what's, how do we get this vetted? Started with a Excel spreadsheet and I had like a, you know, secret buyer merchandiser from Sephora helping to put the hero products on there and started with makeup artists and hairstylists and, you know, people, beauty editors, like telling me what I should have in this category. Cause I wanted to cherry pick all of the collections. I just wanted the hero products. And then, yeah, as I started to get to know more of the makeup artists and the hairstylists and the industry professionals in LA, you know, Caitly is, is one of the big inspirations. She's a, you know, red carpet makeup artist, worked with us for a long time. I think one of the best red carpet artists of all time does fashion as well and, and entertainment. And she, it was the Oscars or the Golden Globes or something. And she was doing three different actors and like, I don't know, the, the one that had the shortest relationship with her or whatever had to get their makeup done at like eight in the morning, but like they needed to have Caitly makeup. And she was schlepping around LA with two suitcases. And so it's just like kind of simple, like what's in those suitcases. Right. And that's when I became obsessed with like aggregating this community. And I didn't know if like all are all the same things going to be in the suitcases. I don't know. Maybe it's going it's, it's to be a problem again. But yes, hero products are hero products for a reason. And these are people working in the trade. And so they have the good stuff. Yep. Of course, they all have their own little tricks and fun 
products that no one's ever heard of before in their kits too. Do you look to them during a certain period of time all year? Is there sort of like a way in which you turn to your experts, your committee? So we send out um, testing batches on a monthly basis and it just depends sort of what we've got um, to test, you know, things that are coming out um, soon, things that are coming that are more evergreen, but we'd like to sort of see what the committee thinks. Basically, we identify things that we think are you know, deserve a place in the shelves. And then we send them to the to the committee to see if we're right. And we curate a different group every time of people who are uniquely qualified to talk about a certain type of product because they have that clientele, it's their business, or maybe they are that customer. They have that skin tone and type. They have that hair type. Right. They, we know they're obsessed with their nails. Like right. they have influence in that, in that arena. Also, I mean, in the very best cases, our committee members really feel like they're part of our gang and they tell us about things. Like Romy Suleimani is such a great committee member. She will constantly, I mean, she's an incredible makeup artist and she's also like obsessed with skincare. Gucci Westman also makeup artist who's just, you know, yeah. Romy is telling you about, you know, a new facialist or a new device or a new treatment. Like you want to listen, they really know what they're talking, talking about. And so Romy very consistently will DM or text me and say, Hey, do you know about this brat? Like she just sent a brow person to me the other day who I need to, I need to meet, but, um, or, you know, she'll have her fingers on the pulse. So she consistently, um, connects us with, with people and with ideas. And it's just like, it's, it's the very best iteration of what a committee member can be. It's someone who's, who's testing, but also who's really adding to what Violet Gray is and has a real interest in it. How do you get your best ideas? How do they tend to come to you? And do you record them anywhere? I'll we'll start with you, Sarah. I mean, I'm I've been writing down things while we've been talking. I notice, like a true editor. Yeah. Well, I'm a reporter and just, you know, old habits die hard, but also like I always get very inspired by Cassandra. Um, so I'm always like, Yeah, she just said it exactly how I would want to say it next time. I write on um sketch pads and I I fill them up. I've got a huge stack of them. So I never want to forget anything. And I always have the the date so I can remember, oh yeah, which meeting was that or what, you know, whatever. But me too. Ideas come from everywhere. I mean, I do record them. They come from everywhere. I use my notes app too. I've just sort of got lists of lists. I mean, I think I make it harder for <laughs> myself, honestly. I've got a I've got a um phantom Instagram account that's just like my own mood interesting it's just private i have i follow no one i have no followers and it's just my own sort of vision board mood board things that i want to oh interesting screenshots that i don't want to forget oh that's such a good idea sarah yeah i recommend it oh i like that using it as the collage mood board and it's like a manifestation space oh that's good cassandra i'm gonna teach you a trick about that too on instagram but where do i get my ideas how do you get your best ideas how do they tend to come to you and how do you record yours sarah reminded me that ideas are free i've given away so many ideas i've stolen so many ideas i just think everyone has tons of ideas all the time and i think that the best ones that i have had are you know when when my brain is idle and i know there's all kinds of you know statistics about when your brain works the best and when it's you know subconscious is creeping in so true and when i you know have these down moments where i'm connecting dots and you know i meditate and i really have a very 
conscious contact with a higher power. And I believe in this kind of field theory that my shrink, Dr. Phil Stutz, teaches and has taught me. And I think there's a field of energy around all of us. And I try to stay open, emotionally sober to receive guidance and the right next things to do. And it's pretty miraculous. Do either of you have places where you get and tend to be inspired? Is there any atmosphere that tends to spark creativity, let's say? I'm so used to being under the gun and on a deadline that I actually work very well when I feel like I have a blank piece of paper in front of me and I have to make it happen now. Yes. And I do that solo. You know, I I can't I can't be in a group brainstorm situation. So I can turn it out when I need to turn it out. Um, like if you told me I have to come up with a plan for blah, blah, and I have two hours, I would, I would do it, you know, but in terms of the free flowing of ideas where you want something out of left field to come in, that might be the thing that changes your life or your business. I agree with Cassandra. It's when you're, when you're thinking about other things. So I think it's really important to change your scenery as much as you can. And that's a luxury, you know, not everyone has, you know, I mean, I guess you could go to a park, you, you can do things, but um, changing your scenery is important. And I wrote a piece at Vogue so many years ago, and it was about vacation deficit disorder. And <laughs> kept a, I had a whole file in my filing cabinet of color copies of this piece so that when some like burnt out person at w- pulling their hair out or just like, like not performing very well would be in my office, whether it was someone who worked at Vogue or someone I was having an appointment with, I would literally open the filing cabinet and hand them a sheet. And now I, now I have a digital copy, so I can, I can email you one, but, um, it's this story that changed my life, um, because it changed completely how I thought about things and burnout is real. And Americans do not know how to take a break. We don't know how to, you know, a long weekend is not a vacation. A half day Friday is not a break because it takes your brain a certain amount of time to disconnect. Also our culture currently of just being on looking at Instagram, like, I mean, there are people who are like getting married and they're like liking my thing on Instagram. It's like, you know, stop, disconnect from your phone. But Bobby Brown, I'll just finish this up. Bobby Brown, for this piece I wrote, she said, I get the best ideas on the ski slope. And it's so true when you are, when you're allowing yourself to relax, that's actually when I think some of the the business ideas come, you know? The business ideas. Yes. I need that piece. I want you to send it to me. I'll send it to you. That's what I, I know. I, I feel like we should publish it. I, it's amazing. I was thinking like you need to just post it on your Instagram today and link in bio because I think it's so relevant. Yeah. So relevant. Relevant now more than ever. I actually have a piece of advice from this piece that I tell people all the time and I need to force myself to remember. This one guy who was like some executive CEO coach who I interviewed for it. I'll never forget. It's a direct quote. He said, I think of life as a series of sprints. And so what he was saying was he's always got a vacation of some sort planned. So he will work really, 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 really hard because he knows in six weeks or two months, he's got a trip planned, long trip, short trip, whatever. And then he does that trip, clears his mind, has an experience, you know, appreciates life, whatever. And then goes back to work, works really, 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 really hard. And it's worth it because he's got another great thing planned. So like when you do that, you are, you are relaxing your mind, but you're also, you're not 
resenting your life. Cause I got into a place where I was like the martyr. I was the person at work that never took a day off. And I just felt like I was out of that, but I was a sucker. Everybody else had a better life than me. You know, You're right? like I was the one who was like, don't worry if it's Christmas Eve, I'll be here. Cause I'm so devoted. You know, like I was that person and everyone was like, great, bye. But it's, it makes you less resentful about how hard you work because it's, worth it. And because you've like, you're balancing your, you have an actual life. And this guy who I interviewed, I forget his name. He had this, this like movement or something. And it was called like live to work as opposed to work to live. Yeah, It was not live to work. It was work to live. And so it's like about flipping that script. It's such an ingenious way of establishing balance, right? We all chase balance. I know I do. And it, it just gives you, it gives you a way in which you can put that into your year. From each of you, I'd love to hear about who and what you've covered, a tastemaker, a product, a brand, a story that has made an impact on you. When you recall what you've covered and worked on, is there any product or a bit of advice or point of view that you've now brought into your own life or work? I mean, I think I just answered that. Cassandra? I was collaborating with Virgil Abloh before he passed away. And we were working on a creative project. And well, he he and his career and his body of work have been just such a gigantic influence on me. But working with him and and seeing the way that he thinks a little bit was so impactful on me. And I think mostly it was about lifting everybody else up with everything that you do and not just like the people just you know one or two people you're working with like everyone around you (laughs) that's what he did like every single person around him would feel elevated by the work that he was doing and you know I don't I don't know that I've quite figured out how to do that but I want to do that in, you know, this next chapter of my career. Yeah. I love that. We were talking a little bit about celebrity and Hollywood beauty, celebrity and red carpet, makeup artists and hairstylists. Who do each of you think is the most creative right now? Who's got a real point of view when you think about that? Oh dear. Can't do that. I mean, we, I mean, we have everyone. I can answer this for us a little bit. People who have recently sort of hurtled into our atmosphere are makeup artists called Farah Hamidi that we love. Yeah. And she's got a beautiful brand that we have been fortunate to have exclusively at Violet Gray for its launch. I'm very inspired by her body of work right now. She's just in all the right places everywhere you need to be, you know, sort of doing the work backstage, editorially speaking. And now we feel that her product line is just the chic thing you need to have. And she's wonderful and cool. So we love her in so that's makeup and in hair, the artist uh, hairstylist called Cindia Harvey. Yeah. She's a British hairstylist who is very similar to Farah in that she's just 
if you see something cool, there's like a good chance that Cynthia did it. She did the Jacquemus runway show at Versailles. Like she's really an artist and she's got a hair care line called This Hair of Mine. It's positioned for all hair. I think it's especially good for textured hair, but it's for everybody. And so again, we have that exclusively at VG. Um, it's just one product. We love a hero product. Um, same thing with Farah. It's a very edited line. So, um, you know, we love that sort of that clarity of vision. So those are two people who we're inspired by currently. I love those choices. Yeah. I want to talk about video content for a minute. What makes for an effective beauty video, tutorial or otherwise? I've, I've had a lot of thought about video. <laughs> I, I, you know, She's been thinking about short form video forever. Yeah, forever. I think obviously social media has changed everything. And I don't think about social media as a platform. I think about it as a behavior. And video is what emotionally connects more than any other art form on social media. <laughs> and and I think that, yeah, great content is great content, whether it's long or short or whatever. So I think that there's just such a huge opportunity today Maybe not today because we don't have actors or writers, but there's a, such a great, <laughs> there's such a big opportunity to really create high quality content for social media, short form content. And in our case, or in, in the case of beauty, or if you have a story to tell and a product to sell, I think there's, a, um, I, I think it's fairly easy to create if you do something really, really good, which, you know, what does that mean? I think that the way to do something really good is to hire the best people who are the best at what they do. And I think everything matters, like lighting and, you know, fonts and the type of video used and editors and all the stuff like you would make any great piece of content. I think uh, art that influences purchase behavior and converts and you know, in our case, what works the best is authenticity and this story that, you know, we only are ever going to show you the good stuff because we vet every single thing and every product has gone through this assembly line of, of approval process before it's made our shelves and worthy of your consideration. So if you understand the you know, how the product got to the shelf and what, how serious we took that process. Like you don't even need to know what, what the product is even like, it is, okay, I'll take it. Right. Right. Especially in beauty. People love beauty. People love to buy beauty and they don't want to feel like they're, you know, wasting their money. Yeah. So they want the good stuff, but they want to try all, they want to try new stuff every, they would try new stuff every day. You could tell customers, viewers, people on social media about a product every two seconds and they would be like, tell me about more. They would, they would, they are not annoyed. <laughs> if they trust you, they're not, they're not only not annoyed, they're, it's like a frenzy for the information. Yeah. They want to know about the product. They also want to know about plastic surgeons and treatments and you know, everything. All the things. Everyone I've ever met in my life. It's like really funny. I mean, not in my life, but since I've been in beauty, <laughs> like at a cocktail party or any dinner party or anybody I meet, anything, anytime, 
it's really funny to to see how long it takes before they ask me about what product recommendations I have for. <laughs> it's a game you must play. That's what they want, you know, from me. I love that. <laughs> Sarah, any thoughts on video? When you think about video, what do you think about? I mean, I can tell you that, you know, from a journalist perspective, just from a from a realist perspective, I can tell you that when we look at at what performs, um, like just on like Instagram, for example, yeah, moving images perform better than static. That's right. We're looking at views, we're looking at link, you know, clicks, we're looking at conversion and you know video is what performs right now. So we have to go with the times. I think think about the whole idea of raw video versus really produced and really polished. I think the thing that attracted me to Violet Gray and keeps me at Violet Gray is that there is a real language. There's a vernacular and it's visual and it's written. Like we have our own lingo and, you know, it's a vocabulary. And so like any, I think, good brand, things should look and feel like like Violet Gray or they should look and feel like, you know, like I remember people talking about how GQ is an adjective that's so GQ, right, you know? Right. So things are very Violet Gray. And so in terms of, you know, what style we do things in, um, they should look and feel like Violet Gray, which it, if I were to describe it, it's it's sexy, it's cinematic, there's wit, it's, it's smart. Cassandra's been so great at weaving in like, really smart literary references, like this idea of etiquette, you know, there's, it's, it's very like old school, but modern, very much like the store. Honestly, if you go to the store, it's really like the VG DNA brought to life where it's so glamorous, but it's also, it it doesn't feel old fashioned, you know, Um, but sexy, modern. And again, it always feels sort of cinematic. And so I think that in terms of our creative, we do and should you know, aim to to create something that that feels part of that world, that universe. As we begin to wrap up, we're going to talk in detail about products. I love talking to people about their favorite products. Clearly, obviously, something that you're known for. I talked to Lily Rabe, the actress Lily Rabe, and she was raving about Shani Darden's LED light mask. I talked to Whitney from Sakara. She, you know, really championed living libations, cleanser, moisturizer. For each of you, what are the brands that are doing exciting things now? What are the three or four brands that are, you know, the ones that are sort of constantly on your radar that you personally keep turning to? Are we talking about beauty products? Beauty products, uh, skincare, wellness, anything. Maybe three or four brands that are in high rotation that are the sort of constants for you right now, personally. That's all I'm thinking about all day. Yeah. (laughs) Mine is very expensive, but worth it. So the number one beauty product. I think that I have is my Hestings mattress because sleep key. The other also very expensive beauty product that I'm really beholden to is this Lima laser. Violet Code approved. Okay. Sarah found it. Your voice completely changed as we're getting into the hit list. It's like, I love it. Really easy to use it. I've been using it. The, you know, the only issue is that you do have to use it 30 minutes a day and it doesn't really show you results if you don't. So that's the commitment, but it really works in terms of skin health and glow. And then um, this kind of dirty, but this is by Jillian Dempsey. It's a lip and cheek tent. Oh, I have these like in every yes. 
pocket and Love. I need, I need, yeah. to, I'm addicted, I'm like addicted to it. So you put it on all day, cheeks, lips throughout the day. So good. We launched this. She's, she was, is part of our committee. Love her. And then uh, love her. Love her. Love her. She used to be my agent for a short period of time. She had an agency for a while oh, yeah. called Bardeen. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. I was one of her stylists. Oh, amazing. Yeah, love Jill. This product, it's the Skin Complexion Perfector, I think it's called. Yeah, it's the it's the Westman Atelier. Yeah, Vital. West Vital Drops. I can't read it because I don't have my glasses, but it's like a, it's an oil foundation. And when I first got it, I did not like it. I thought it was terrible. And the reason why is because I put too much of it. You just need a little time. I felt the same way. Okay. Here's what the problem. You need a very small drop. You don't need very much. Okay. And it is, I love it so much. I can't even tell you. It's like, okay. It's Noted. like a filter. It's, it makes my skin look so beautiful. And I put, so I put my, you know, cream blush. I put my, uh, you know, bronzer, contour stick. And then I use my brush. I have this new one from Chanel that I love and uh, that Sarah Brown also told me about. And then once I have that, then I put just a little drop of that. Thank you. It's all about a brush. Yeah. You need a brush. It is so good. It is, the texture so good. I love it so much. So I don't know. That's five. What else? What else am I just dying of, over? Oh, oh, oh. Another everything is from Sarah Brown. I think Sarah Brown actually maybe worked on this brand and she can tell you more about it, but this R&Co Blue. Oh, yeah. I have not, you know, I've had short hair for, you know, the last, you know, 15 years. So I, I really didn't care about hair products at all because it's like, I don't have any hair and it's very, it was very easy. But now that I've gone blonde, which is a whole crazy thing. It's a big endeavor. A big endeavor. And I have now tried lots of different uh, hair products. And this one, it makes my, you know, very bottle bleached hair that I'm assuming is damaged feel soft and thick in just the right way. It's really extraordinary. Which product is it? Which one is it? It's it's just the condition, the essential conditioner. Oh yeah, <gasps> the essential shampoo and essential conditioner are the best shampoo and conditioner I've ever. Used. By the way, I don't even have the shampoo. I need to get the shampoo. You don't need shampoo. But like, I was out of this for a few so good weeks, and it was really I was like <laughs> a tragedy. <laughs> it's all expensive. What is not expensive? What is not expensive is. Bone broth. Oh, bone broth. Okay. I've started bone broth. Like maybe I know that Bobby Brown was super into it. Making your own or buying? No, no. I can't make anything. (laughs) I can't even make a smoothie. There is a place. It's called, I have it right here. You can order it from the internet. It's called Brodo. Oh yeah, Brodo. The best. Of course. And now they make like single pockets. It doesn't need to be refrigerated. And, um, yeah, I drink, I drink a cup or two in the morning and it just sets me up for the whole day. It's so good. Mm. And I feel like it's really made my stomach flatter. Oh, interesting. 
By the way, you made me breakfast once. You do you do make things. <laughs> what did you make her for breakfast? Like eggs and some avocado, and it was beautifully presented, and it was very professional. It's true. I can I, I do I do make <laughs> eggs really well. The thing that's hard for me is that the things that I'm usually obsessed with are things that we're testing, and so we don't sell them yet. So I can never talk about it. That's oh. what I'm usually like very into. But okay, I mean, I love everything. Yeah, it's kind of my job. I 100% know what you mean. Everything that is in my life is. I think it's the best, but there's this brand, Dr. Loretta. Yes. I've been looking at that on the site. Okay. So she's incredible. Tell me everything. She's this Miami-based dermatologist. I love her because she was in the Harvard photobiology labs in the seventies when they were doing research on UV light. Is that bad for your skin? Interesting. Clearly she's like one of the people who discovered that UV is not good for you, (laughs) you know, skin cancer, DNA mutation, sunburn, all that stuff. So she's just like this OG brilliant woman. She's a mom. She's a grandma. She's like great. Like I love her. And her products are really, really basic and smart. Not basic in a bad way, basic in a like streamlined, you need this way. So she's got this sunscreen, this mineral based sunscreen, because we we only like mineral based sunscreen right now at Violet Gray. I forget the name of it. It's like daily and it's like urban antioxidant glow. I have to, let me look up the name of it, but I need that. It comes in a yellow tube. You do need it because it's literally like a mineral sunscreen that you do not know that it is sunscreen. It doesn't feel like sunscreen. It's, it's that holy thing where you can act, you actually want to put it on your face. You can actually wear it under your foundation or, or alone. It's mineral, but it's, it's, it works very well on all skin tones. And that's sometimes really tough for mineral foundations. And that's also, by the way, that's the whole point of our committee. When we get a mineral foundation and the people, the founders saying, oh yeah, it's great on all skin tones. We send it out to all skin tones to make sure it's all skin tones. it is. Yeah. And sometimes it, we get results where it's not. And so we don't launch those things. So anyway, this really works for everybody. So great. I love it. Let me find the correct name of it. So I love that. Um, you know, we're big eighth day fans at Violet Gray. That's a brand that we really sort of brought to the world. And, um, Dr. Nakla's serum is just, it's the first thing that I use every day. And I would, I feel naked without it. And I, you know, it's got this biomimetic sort of growth factor. And all I can tell you is that my skin looks better when I use it. And I notice when I don't, and then you beauty is really a good brand. People are obsessed with that for a reason. I love the finishes on all of Tina's products, the body products, the face products, because they give you this it's really glass skin and it just, you know, you look really refreshed and glowy and gorgeous and young and luscious and it really delivers. So I love, I love sort of pretty much everything Tina Craig is making these days. What else? I mean, I can go on like this. I could, I could talk to you all day about product Lima laser. Obviously we, we really believe in that at Violet Gray. Let's talk about storage. What does your bathroom look like? What are you into for storage of things? Yeah, that's a whole other story too. That's a whole other story. I'm really lucky that I have like giant, a huge medicine cabinet that's got three major compartments, like the whole wall. Yeah. So like the shelves are all like, there's eye cream, there's serums, there's exfoliants, there's masks, there's, you know. Um, it's super organized. I'm sure Cassandra is the same way, but the things that actually make it into the medicine cabinet are the things that I actually am using. Right. And so I've right. got stuff that's all over the counter that I'm trying. And if I don't like it, it gets pitched. Right. Um, right. Stuff that's actually in rotation has made it through my own vetting process. What uh, does fall and holiday 2023 look like in terms of hair and makeup and nails, do you think? 
We definitely have a campaign that we're working on that we're excited about. I think that holiday is great because it's about gifting, right? And the joy of gifting. Although I always end up buying sort of, you know, one for you, two for me. <laughs> it's party season. It's it's also like serious self-care season. Some of my most fun personal New Year's and holiday seasons have been just like in front of the fireplace doing nothing. Oh, I love that. People I love. So it's definitely good sort of bath time, candle time, you know, all of that. Lastly, are there any trends that you see sprouting up in the future? Maybe something that might be here now, but that you see really establishing or potentially exploding? I think that like the device game is really getting interesting because I think there's been so much stuff and we've all sort of, you know, bought the new shiny thing and then used it once and then you lose the cord. And it's just like, I have this device graveyard under my sink. But I think now with things like the Lima, with brands like Therabody, um, Zip, like Dyson, I think that the devices, they're, they're true investments, but they're things that really do what they say. You know, I think we've all got, you know, things that we've used two times and forgotten about, but I think that that area is really heating up and our customer really, really is interested. Cassandra, is there anything you want to add to that in terms of trends that you see that are, you know, here and set to explode? I think that like mental strength, um, sobriety, uh, spiritual wellness, operating on a meta level is uh, crossing over to be more mainstream. And, you know, very much like meditation, like meditation has been around forever, obviously. And then it became really commercial when it was associated with success, very successful people meditate. Yeah. Right. Right. And then it's like, okay, I need to meditate too. Right. I think that products that can help us to operate on a meta level are going to explode. So I think devices, but also formulations, rituals, I think it's going to become very mainstream to have a practice a spiritual practice really does make you look younger. <laughs> what a great way to wrap. <laughs> Which I know we're not supposed to say that, but. It was great spending time with each of you. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you very much. This has been really fun. Really fun. And it's really fun to do it with Sarah. Yeah. So thank you for having us both. This is a great part of our day. So thank you very much. Congratulations on everything you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 